Hey guys, I'm starting the show a little differently today. Instead of promoting a company or a product I believe in, I am amplifying a person I believe in. Today's guest, Janelle Demby. She is a brave advocate fundraising research and treatment for keloid skin. Keloids are an overgrowth of raised scar tissue that continuously heals beyond the boundaries of the original skin abrasion. There are more than 3 million cases in the United States alone. So March is now officially National Keloid Awareness Month. And even though keloids hurt and are extremely sensitive, they grow over time, they itch, they can become infected and limit mobility in the day and create very painful sleeping conditions at night, Insurance companies see keloid skin as a cosmetic skin disorder and refuse to reimburse patients for doctor visits. Oh, and surprise, surprise, this condition disproportionately affects communities of color. That's why I urge you to please visit Janelle's link tree. That's linktree forward slash Janelle Demby. She's got tons of links and petitions and ways to show your support. This community of keloid warriors, as they call themselves. She has her GoFundMe page up there. It's Janelle Demby's Keloid Removal Surgeries page. Every single dollar helps and contributes to medical bills and related expenses. Shout out to Nicole Solomon, who started a petition to the United States Department of Health and Human Services up on change.org for global awareness, funding, research, and treatment for keloid skin. And they are making waves. There are 2,259 people who have already signed this petition so far. So that means there's only 241 more names to go. We can do that, people. Again, go to Linktree at Janelle Demby, D-E-M-B-Y. I also have links up on the detailed episode notes on the Whelm website and blog. This is near and dear to my heart. Thank you so much, guys. Now let's start the show. What up, what up, what up? I am Dahlia Davies Flanagan, a former television producer, a married mother of two, and natural-born collector of family stories. This is Melanated Mom Talk, and here we mother in multitudes. We mother ourselves, we mother our friends and family, and we mother our careers and what drives us. I believe anyone who is, has, or had a mother is living a -a one-of-a-kind, coming-of-age story that I would love to hear. So yes, you are welcome to join that conversation. Of course, representation matters. So as a young black mother, I am here to center our stories and spotlight our humanity as a means to not only disrupt the narrative, but to be the narrative and cultivate a joy and balance while we mother and nourish the spaces where children of color grow. It is my wish that this melanated mom talk sparks conversations out loud, not just the thoughts you keep in your mind. I hope this show offers a shared personal validation to continue and trust your process of parenting. In the meantime, I'm still bringing you her story. Talk about being twice as good. Catch these momisms and all black everything. Get ready to smile, reclaim a little space for yourself, and be gifted some super helpful and human tips, tricks, and takeaways from the original creators, mothers. So thank you for listening. I love our growing community. Thank you for the five-star ratings, for the comments, the reviews, the follows, and for everyone who downloads and shares episodes. Please keep it coming. It lets the powers that be know we are here and we are vibrant. 
If you or someone you know is mothering on 10, or if you are an organization, a company, or you have a product or a brand that would like to collaborate with me and get the word out on this podcast, email us at jointhewhelm at gmail.com. So this week, I feel inspired to think differently about healing. I come from a long line of healers, a lot of spiritual and religious people as well, a lot of healing all around. And my sister, Janelle Demby, is no different. You heard at the top of the show, my sister is a fierce advocate for research and treatment for keloid skin. And that's because she suffers from an extreme case of skin that continuously heals. So if you follow me on Instagram, you saw I recently posted a video that I produced last summer for PBS, their American Portraits documentary. And it's a piece on my sister explaining about what the day-to-day life is like with very painful keloid skin. And Janelle mentioned something halfway through that video that has stuck with me, and I hope it sticks with you too. She was talking about teaching her son, Lev, my nephew, my beautiful, genius, handsome little nephew. She's raising her son to be sensitive to people who have differences that you can see. And I think that's a whole word. We all have differences. We all have scars. We all have barriers and walls that we build around our sensitive areas. But fortunately, for the majority of us, you don't get to see those things right away. But what my sister's battling is something different. The scars that she carries on her body is often the first thing you see when you meet her. There is no hiding. She needs a new word for transparency. And finding the strength to deal every single day, she is a master healer. She is in a master class of healing and there's a lot that we can learn from her. So this episode not only talks about breastfeeding, about living a vegan life, about being an artist and a business person and how those two worlds often clash. It's not just about that. My sister Janelle is an example of how we can heal, how we continue to heal, and how we show up to life through the healing. Sometimes it's pretty, sometimes it's not. So, you know, do the things, you know, follow her online. She's literally used it on the TikTok. I referenced her link tree at the beginning of the show. John L. Denby. Do all the things. Follow, support, because I'm telling you, she's going on a journey of healing and she's bringing us all with her. This episode I've recorded no less than three or four times, I promise you guys. I interviewed her before this podcast was even a podcast. (laughs) But that's the relationship of siblings, right? They're the people who will give you the most honest critique. Janelle is my first person for everything. She loves and supports me every time. When I leap too big, when I fall too short, she's always there for me and I will always be there for her. So you're gonna hear a series of edits and cuts because that's the only way I got through all of this footage. But I want everyone to fall in love with my sister like I do every time I see her face, every time I talk to her. And as painful as her keloids are, This is not a horror story. This is not a sob story. She is a mother, she is a wife, she is a daughter. She is a formidable advocate for loving the skin that you're in. In my family, she is our joy. Ayodele, ayo meaning joy in Yoruba. So I am introducing a name and a face that you will never forget. So let's talk that melanated mom talk. 
Janelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Congratulations. You are the Thank you. bomb. I was going to say something else, but I don't need to start <laughs> off like that. <laughs> Congratulations. My sister cusses like a sailor. Thank yeah, you. It's a, problem. it's a problem. Last night, Lev, we were in the car and Lev said to Brian, um, why do you have the fucking light on? And I was <gasps> like, okay, so we are failing <laughs> on that front. He thinks it's just another verb. Uh, no, he uses he it might. appropriately. Like he he chose to use it then. Like he doesn't he doesn't use it all the time. He just used it then yeah. when he wanted to make emphasis. And I saw a meme with like Alyssa Edwards saying like edit it um like a thousand times. Like I guess with all her videos, she's like edit it, edit it. And I'm like yeah, edit it. People could be like, damn, that's a bad mom. <laughs> you had to. I know, I know. Not on record. Not on record. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you're here. In fact, we tried this also like many times. Many, um, so I'm so glad times. that it's just <laughs> just come together. Oh, edit that out too, bitch. Edit that out. Edit and edit. Welcome. We're back for some more mom talk today. Well, actually, actually, let me say one more thing first. Actually. Welcome to Mom Friends, a podcast. Podcast. Okay, one more time. <laughs> Today is the very first debut episode of Mom Friends. Hold on. Are you hearing me? Yeah, can you not hear me? I one of the times I was supposed to be in like the board, I was going to be in the boardroom pumping, talking about. Um, right black woman and uh breastfeeding because you know that's a whole thing oh my god cue roll that beautiful being footage okay i'm about to find <laughs> that footage just so we get just so we get the breast pump sound and insert it here <laughs> i'm sticking um so i'm sticking on my pump at the same at the time at the same time right now too this is my only break time so <laughs> i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna pump at work uh pump on the on the thing right now so let's get into breast milk breast <laughs> milk you dave Chappelle, legendary dave Chappelle skip classic um, pumping at work paint the scene where are you are you in a bathroom are you huddled oh my god in a closet? No. no 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 bathroom is like i like what i like to tell people at work here is that like would you go eat your lunch at a bathroom like would you go eat your lunch there so like no i cannot pump in the bathroom like they keep trying to tell me just go pump in the bathroom no no you take no. poops in there i'm not gonna make baby food in there oh yeah uh, yeah right it's like it's like a lunch you have to think of it like a like a lunchroom kind of thing that's what i try to tell them so i'm sitting at my desk right now um i'm kind of hiding behind the my computer um because there's like two big windows to the side <laughs> I have three signs on the door right now because they've been ignored three times. So <laughs> three different signs on the door and they say, please don't knock because knocking can um, yes. like getting interrupted will interrupt the milk production. And I can't afford any of that because I don't make that much anyways. So, and yes, so wait, I'm still where pumping is at your... almost two years. People are probably like, what the heck right. are you being pumping? The statistics on like breastfeeding for black women is, is ridiculous. So I'm an advocate and I, the WHO says two years. So I'm doing at least two years. WHO, the world. Wait, did, 
organization? Um, I breastfed my children very long. I have a daughter who's six now and I have a three-year-old. And the three-year-old, I, I, I stopped nursing her, I got to say, about like a month ago. Every time I you say you stopped, now? I see a titty in, in, in the baby's mouth. I know. Oh, is that wrong? I stopped like, like 10 like times. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's what it is. But that's the taboo but part. I, People are so uncomfortable. And everybody loves titties. But then when it's time to feed a baby, people get, everybody loves it. But a baby Mm -hmm. drinking the natural nourishment always makes people feel uncomfortable. What's been your experience with that? Do you breastfeed in public or do you feel like you have to cover up? Oh, I definitely breastfeed in public. I whip it out. Right? Um, I'm not like, here's my nipple, um, but I will breastfeed in public if I'm comfortable. I told our friend Aaliyah, titty at takeoff. That's what you gotta do. Take off. Hashtag. (laughs) It's necessary, and and people act like they weren't. Yeah, right. They act like they weren't children too, and like somebody didn't do that for them. And not to mention, I remember very clearly as um as our mother, we used to travel often, and I remember being on airplanes and people were smoking cigarettes. Like some of y'all might have missed that. But there was a time you would walk on an airplane and the thing would be cloudy. The plane itself inside. It wouldn't be that like cool mist. Oh, <laughs> it so would smoke. There were ashtrays on the armrest. So, so for somebody to have a problem with me breastfeeding has always right. been like a point of contention. Like I'm going to say something about it because <laughs> there's been way worse things happening on airplanes. Only 27% of Black women breastfeed past six months. And uh, when compared to white women who breastfeed, 44% more. I think anytime you get a chance to breastfeed, <laughs> go ahead and do it. Because just 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 to help normalize it, just to help uh, maybe help the next sister think, you know, see that it's natural and okay to do it, you know. Because it, it does so much good for the babies. The babies are so healthy. My children are like oxen. They have they've never been sick. <laughs> they same, are same with Lev. Same with Lev. He is not extremely healthy. Yeah. Extremely healthy babies. Shout out yes, to the natural that look goal that we be creating. And at work. Because we have your back. You, there's so much pressure to have you stop doing it at work. I'm I still get it. Like it's it's just set up so that you set up to fail, like without space to go to pump. Like right. you're set up to fail, but so I shout out to you. Um, <laughs> and I don't mind the sound of your breast pump in the back of this podcast. Because so you can hear it. And it's... Let me get close. To I'm it. hearing oh, it. No. Yes. Oops, ouch. Oh no, I can definitely hear it. <laughs> oh, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. So I was going to talk to you in, in conjunction with breastfeeding. I was also thinking you and your husband are vegan. What has been your experience raising a vegan child? There are a lot of options that there we did not have. I remember when you were a young girl, there was a lot mm-hmm. of foods that you couldn't get to. Do you feel like you have access to a lot of these foods? I know a lot of times we think when you think vegan and vegetarianism, you think of like Whole Foods and some of these places. And a lot of people like, I don't really have money to be at Whole Foods every single week. Um, what has been your experience feeding a vegan baby? It's been, I mean, being vegan is becoming easier and easier and easier every day. It's like more and more companies keep popping up and people have this, well, 
I make this, I make this. Um, it's in restaurants and stuff. It's it's just easier and easier and easier. And my husband's from LA. LA is so vegan friendly. It's fantastic. Um, but in Miami, we we find it's we haven't really had that hard of a time at all. Like it's been pretty easy, especially since the when you first when they're first very young, they, they basically tell you to give them a vegan diet. Like it's like no, there's like a lot of stuff that they say you shouldn't eat, and pregnancy too. The pregnancy diet, that's what I really mean to say, is the pregnancy diet is basically, is almost basically a vegan diet, like, stay away from fish and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's been pretty, I've never had any issues with any doctors saying like, ooh, well, you need to do this, this, and this. Nobody's been worried. Yeah, he's a big, healthy boy. He's not missing out on any, anything nutrition-wise. So, and my husband stays on point with that. He is quite the chef. Um, so... It's 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 been alright. It's been pretty cool. This is gonna be fun. Mom isms, right? So we always talk about mom isms. We always, you know, talk about the phrases, the sayings, the cultural suggestions, the practices that were passed down through generational generational schooling, in fact. You know, and some mom isms have proven to be toxic. <laughs> it was things that people said and did because they had to get by back in the day. But as time goes, other mom-isms are more cherished wisdom. Uh, we share the same mom. I wonder if your mom-isms are the same I've, as my mom-isms. I've been mom wanting to ask you this for so long. Uh, what are your mom-isms for my mom-isms? I, 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 one thing I take away, from, uh, one thing I don't know, is like when she used to tell us that like her, um, her, her old modeling agent used to, Lisa, because you know she's that diva. Like, not only is she an academic diva, but she's also like gorgeous. So, um, <laughs> her her modeling agent used to tell her like saw her out one time without like makeup, <laughs> and told her like don't come out the house like that kind of. Um, I but you like when she used to say like you, you just can't step out the house looking any kind of way kind of thing. She needs to say it right, like, and you never. I know she was saying you never know who you're gonna bump into. Or yes, like exactly. You never know, or you never know what the day is going to bring you. Actually, Janelle, it's really a lot of pressure for women to feel like they have to always leave the house, um, being the mirror of perfection. Um, it's a, that's a lot of pressure for women, um, and I myself sometimes don't follow that rule. But basically, when I was a grad student at Howard in Washington D.C., the story is. Um, I was part of a modeling group that did a lot of really cool things, you know, big shows in the Washington Hilton and Philadelphia, the Miss Black America and all of that, um, headlined by Naomi Sims, who was then the biggest model in the world then. And one day I went, one Saturday morning, actually, I went down to one of the department stores and I kind of just threw on jeans and went down there for whatever reason. And in the middle of the, um, the aisle that handles all that makeup and that whole section, makeup section. I saw the woman who was in charge of the agency and she was, of course, impeccably dressed and presented. And I felt like, like really, you know, kind of really ratchet. <laughs> and then, um, next time we went to meeting, the, whenever we had the next encounter, she made, she didn't call my name, but she made a point of saying, that you all are models, so whenever you go out, you have to look like you should be ready 
for anything so that when you walk in somewhere, people already know that you look like you are professional and you're able to present well. And I thought I, I kind of like that in a different way. Um, because the point is that some people have been in situations where they get called upon right away. And if they're not ready, they're not ready. So it's the idea of just being ready. I think that is probably the, the lesson in there, not so much the makeup, but being ready so that when you show up for any situation, you can take it, you know, and be able to move forward with it, you know? So I think it's a question of being ready for the future, being ready for your life. That's more important. Yeah, so. exactly. And, um, I take that to heart. Like that's, that's, that's a momism I take from mommy. Definitely. Well, and I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be bringing up Bishop Magic Don, the Juan, Juan, Juan the Don. What's his name? Oh, Bishop, okay. yeah. Bishop Magic, Don Bishop Juan. Magic Don Juan, right? Don the Juan. Yes. I yes. Know. Okay. <laughs> Don the Juan. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> In any case. <laughs> He told my husband once, and oh then, it, and then, that's <laughs> so crazy. Like, it was him, Brian, Snoop. He told him, when you ready, you ain't got to get ready. And right. <laughs> I think that's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the whole segment, Twice As Good, is, is the one momism that I always say that she always um, used to tell us, uh, especially growing up in upstate New York and feeling othered culturally, physically, all of the above. Um, and she used to say like, you know, there are times when you're gonna have to be twice as good. You just doing what you're doing will not get seen the right. same way as what somebody else is doing. So right. read, read an extra chapter, raise your hand more, speak up more, do this right. more, practice right. more because you've gotta be twice as good just to be able to be put in the running with somebody else who they might just automatically slide into the running. But basically that's one of the, um, basically one of the fundamental pieces of advice. I think all black mothers, parents in general, give their children is knowing the nature of American racism and racism in the world that black people, in order to be equal, you have to be twice as good um, to get recognized. And Zora Nilerson has really nice statement about that, that you get twice the praise and twice the blame. So, um, I think it's half the praise and twice the blame she should have said. Um, but the point is that the idea of being twice or more qualified is actually unfair, but it's the reality because they actually say that a white man with a high school education probably gets paid the same amount as a black man with a college degree. So the question is black people often have to do twice to get the same recognition that is normal. And this is in every level, whether it's in a classroom situation, um, you have to do the work double because you people, teachers are always assuming that you don't really know any anyway. Um, and then on the job, the same thing. And then in life, you know, we're always doing more. Um, and it's, again, it's an unfair standard, but this is the nature of racial structure, the way that we get positioned in the world as black people, people of color, black and brown people, is exactly how that works. Um, that, that's why I always mention twice as good. Um, what else did, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many, but. Um, I think, 
I think my momism is right now. I mean, I'm still developing. You know, he's only two. But um, he is to tell him. He, one thing I notice, I tell him all the time, is that um, when mommy says no, it's to protect you. Because he's always trying to do crazy things. Like he's always, <laughs> he's you know, he's he's like, I didn't think that these stereotypes about little boys, you know, but he's he really does like do all this like climbing around stuff. He's always running around doing you know little two-year-old things like they're 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 trying to figure out the world and you know like he wants to run around with the screw in his hand it's like no you can't do that and he you know he might try and cry about it and be like no you can't run with scissors or <laughs> like you can't run with a you know, screw in your hand like mommy's mommy's saying no because she's trying to protect you and that's like one thing i've noticed i've been trying to tell him well janelle sounds like you got that from me Dr. D. I became a doctor because of what my mom told me when I was about seven years old. Now, she was a midwife, and her patients loved me like crazy. Uh, I was kind of cute at seven. Uh, they showered me with cookies, candies during the prenatal visits. One of them, Miss Anna, was well loved by me because she was so pretty and generous and kind to me. So, eventually, she was in such a very painful situation during her delivery and was crying and, uh, and was apparently going through a lot of pain. So, out of concern, I asked my mom, uh, what was going on with Miss Anna? And she replied, well, she was going through a painful process, and if you want to take care of that kind of pain, when you grow up, you should become a doctor. Bing! That was like a light bulb just went on in my head, and uh, the rest was history. So, whatever you say to your child goes a long way to molding his future. Also, my maternal grandmother was a strict disciplinarian. She taught me a few things. Uh, one of the rhymes I still remember is, um, you know, the non-adventurous guy is likely to keep sound bones. So, I grew up and passed all these valuable ideas whenever I could to my kids out of love and protection because they worked for me and the value is priceless. So I would recommend that you keep exercising, uh, eating right and avoiding risky behavior or risky habits because these are the key to a healthy and successful life. We have been blessed with good genes, and may God continue to protect and bless us all. There's no way to ride it, there's no way to fight it. And I kick and scream, but you got me despite it. And I got my pride, so I begin to hide it. Like fire in Freetown, you begin to light it.
So let us, um, okay, I'm gonna have to keep this moving, guys, because this literally could be forever. Um, her story section, you know, like, so knowing what you know now about, you know, success and failures or the things that you've learned, what would you tell yourself 20 years ago? Like the girl who was in Howard Fine Arts building. I was in making DC. flyers uh, for <laughs> every single uh, Black Lives, it wasn't Black Lives Matter at that time. It was every single- Amnesty, um, police, yeah, Amnesty, Amnesty International. International. <gasps> we, we at Howard made Amnesty International a Black Lives Matter movement back in the day. <laughs> because, I mean, we the group of us, we even saw um, an undercover cop shoot a man <sighs> wow, we went through a lot. We had we had a police uh, a security guard um, put a gun to us. Prince Jones had got shot. Um, but back in the day, that's what I was. That's I was an English major, and I was sitting at home. I mean, sitting at sitting in the dorm, um, making flyers and not writing papers. So that's when I realized I need to switch my um, my my major. But what's the question? Right. I was saying, what would you tell yourself? What would you tell that girl 20 years ago? Now that you, from what you've learned, everything, would you tell her, actually, don't go to fine arts? Would you tell her, go to business school? Go go to the business no department? Way. Oh my God. So that you could learn some business? I mean, much respect <laughs> to the Howard Business School because they were, uh, that's like a like a cult. But we, we at fine arts were our own cult. Like, I wouldn't, uh, I mean, with, Howard Fine Art, like being able to have graduated, if I would have told myself um, as a freshman to like, no, no, honey, you need to be in fine arts. And like, this is what you're trying to do. Like, I, like I, I had, I was going to my counselor and my counselor was trash. And I was asking, like saying, this is what I want to do. I want to be like the creatives who do like work in the advertising agency. And she sent me every which way. She sent me she sent me to different, like, I, she sent me to so many different, um, like, I was, I took classes in school communications, like, which is fine, they have advertising classes there, but she didn't under, like, she didn't understand that graphic design was, like, a thing, like, that's what, like, if I want to be the creative, like, send me to the creative part, like, send me to fine arts, like, she wasn't, she was trash, but I, I would tell myself, like, just, you know, to skip, um, a lot of time and heartache, um, I would, I would tell myself like, no, you need to go straight to fine arts, get your, go ahead and get your degree and, you know, don't be afraid to ask for money, even though I, I need to continue to um, tell myself that today. Right. And then, so, so recently at the Museum of Contemporary Art in North Miami, you were the, you are the graphic designer, you're the lead graphic designer and, and um, you also do a lot of their social media because let us not forget us moms were and are fabulous beings outside of the motherhood umbrella. One of the last exhibits that you guys had at Basel was um, the Afri Cobra exhibit, which is a really dope um, throwback to the Black arts movements in the 1960s. You did a really dope banner, and it, it was a highlight of many people coming to see the exhibition. And I believe you are going to be going to Venice, Italy, correct? Right? To go see your work? Yes. Um, I'm the graphic designer for um, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Miami. So I basically take care of um, like exhibition logos, work with artists, 
or artists collectives, um, contemporary artists. So I'm not, um, usually have to, you know, bend to whatever the artists need design wise. Um, uh, I make stuff that you see on the walls that are not the art and, right. um, outside the posters, the stuff online, basically all the visual things I take care of over here. And you go to Hard Fine Arts, you study Afrocobra, and that's the exhibit that we had here. And uh, yeah, it was just really cool to like work with, like trying to make a new exhibition logo to represent the collective that was in the spirit of their work. And um, like the 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 one of the founding members, Jeff Donaldson, was the Dean of um, Fine Arts at Howard. So it was like really. That's full circle. Yeah, full circle, huge for me. Um, the artists from the collective came down for the reception and um, they all loved the exhibition logo that I created. And they said it was definitely in the spirit of the work that they did. And they, they're, them loving the, the exhibition logo was everything for me. And now the um, exhibition is moving off to, to, to its next chapter in um, Italy. It's going to Biennale um, um, as a collateral event. So it's, my stuff will be shown there too. So it's really cool. That is so fantastic. Congratulations. On top thank you, of, thank you, thank you. Yes. Humping and motherhood and being <laughs> a wife and everything. Your art is going to Italy. That is so phenomenal and fantastic. And congratulations. Thanks. 100%. You are also a brilliant photographer, always have been. And um, yeah, it's just an artist in general, just all together. It's, and it's been really beautiful to see being, um, you know, your little sister, little eyes behind you always. Um, you were always doodling or always looking at a cartoon or some sort of like comics or something but in you know at the time it just seemed like art and doodle but when you know but it starts to build and over time and you see somebody have like an actual talent and skill and to hone it further have degrees go to schools for it um you went to the university of, of um you went to howard of course um as you H-U. mentioned you know you hu you know uh you, you went know. to scan <laughs> Yeah, the college of the what is it? The the school is a college of art and design. The school of just kidding. Savannah College of Art and Design. The Savannah, that's the S. I was like the schooling college? The Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, which is beautiful. Um so it's been amazing to see your journey all the way through. Um and and to ask, so like what is your what is your relationship with beauty and and black women and skin? and um and images like how does that play for you as well being a photographer and an artist well well you did say skin and i was just sitting here like i missed the opportunity to shout out my dermatologist who is a melanated mom as well because um like you said that like you know we have to search and find because i've had a lot of different doctors that like experimented on me and then when i found my dermatologist who is um a beautiful sister from Jamaica who um Dr. Heather Willie Lloyd she's the bomb and I, I used to fly down to see her because I um 
when I was, in, I, yeah, I used to fly down to see her particularly because, you know, she was somebody who understood m me and my skin. So it's, it's excellent to find doctors that, you know, resemble you or, you know, m you know, like can mirror your experience. You like, she's just, you know, and then she was gorgeous. So it was just like, <laughs> and awesome and sweet. So it was just like, she was like somebody to look up to as, as well, even though I'm not in the medical field. But yeah, um, like black women and um, photographing um, like black women is something I'm you know passionate about. I was I'm just kind of heartbroken because of um, I had a feeling it was going to happen in this way, <laughs> and I was like um, with the with the exhibition I was trying to put on about um, black female photographers and. Um, and their gaze on black female bodies. Uh, uh, I was really, you know, really excited about putting that on. And then, you know, Rona, so. The Rona. Um, yeah, let's, but let's mention that really quickly. Um, so I mentioned that you are the graphic designer for Mocha Nomi. Um, and uh, you are a working photographer, you're a graphic designer, and also an artistic curator in your own right. And so you were putting together and a collection of break it down yeah, capturing black, black women and and are basically our gaze on the black female body like how do we look at ourselves how do we see ourselves um right which is very deep um and then what you're referencing then too is that so you had you were in the works for this and then now with the rona yeah. Um, yeah, i was <laughs> trying to like push it out push it out and do something really fast to get it for um black history month and in between Black History Month and Women's History Month to get the intersectionality between, you know, black women and, you know, like black history and women's histories month. But um, everyone, I, I was also trying to get sponsors, but the sponsors I was speaking to was like, you, this is something you can't play with. Like, you can't just put up something real fast and, um, you know, like you need to spend the time and do it right. And I was just like, I'm going to do it right, but I want to do it and i just wish that i had pushed more on the like let's just get it done like like why i mean hindsight's 2020 but like it's better to have done it than to not have anything you know like, i'm not like saying i can't it's not gonna happen in the future it's just that why why like we should not everything doesn't have to be like perfect like people put on all kinds of shows all the time everywhere and um because it's a, a topic of black women we want to make sure we're like we're we're such perfectionists that like it didn't happen like you know and it didn't happen earlier is what i'm trying to say it's it's just does that make right any sense? and that's also i yeah and, and i and i feel like what you are i feel like what you are saying too is that and correct me if i'm wrong but it's kind of that conversation that people also have like in politics with like the way that Republicans will just do whatever they got to fucking do to win. Right. Whereas right. Democrats are out here like actually being honest, actually holding people accountable. But because right. of that, we're too busy, like not just winning. And right, I feel right. like, right. So the people who that you spoke to, um, and I'm assuming that you're speaking to business owners and people in the black community, who you would probably go to for um, for sponsorship and to also be in the know of what you're doing in the black space. Right. Um, 
those were the people who didn't help. Um, I also wonder, though, well, I mean, too. These, these are people who I look, I, I, I mean, I, I look up to, and like, it's, I, it's not like the, it's not like it's wrong, you know. It's not like that response is complete, you know. It's not like it's wrong. It's just like it's just had had I. I don't think it's. I think it's. I think it's more on. I should have pushed more myself to. You know. Right. Because these are, you know, I don't know, like push more to be like, no, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this. You know, like I got this, let's do it. Like, you know, like we're going to do this, you know, we can can continue it on, you know, we can add to, you know, like it doesn't have to be just that one moment. And especially since it was going to be in the museum and I had the connection to be able to like put it in a museum space was, you know, strong as well. Being an artist and being a business person usually doesn't go together. <laughs> um, and you can right. talk about that, that because as an true. artist, right. As an artist, we, um, you know, to make the art, you usually have to be in a vibe. You know what I mean, you gotta be on that right. wave. You gotta just be creating, which is usually the, the polar opposite of what needs to happen in business. And it's two different worlds. And so it's really, upsetting, I would say, to an artist to have to figure out how to put on that business cap because it's it's completely different and it's a completely different way of thinking. It's a way of looking at it. A business person, of course, is trying to do it like ABC, that, that, that. But you're an yeah. artist. So you're yeah. thinking like, no, spheres and like yeah. <laughs> like hexagons. Like they're like yeah. linear and you're like spirals though. Yeah. Glitter, in fact, sprinkles. Gradients. Gradients. <laughs> Gradients. They're like straight line. Yeah. So like, yeah. How does that feel to be, to, to blend the worlds of artistry and business? Ugh. I, I mean, I, I wish I could say that I've gotten better over time. I, I, I've, I'm, I have not gotten better at, um, the business part, but I've gotten better at telling people I can't get things done. Like, I don't think I could get that done. Um, and that's part of like becoming a mom though, because, um, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I that, that's not connected, but it is. It's, I think that could be connected, especially being somebody who had done graphic design for so long. Um, and the boom of like technology happening, there was a moment where if you knew how to make a logo, if you knew how to make a design, you know, friends and family are like, Hey, hook it up. But that's yep. actually work. <laughs> right yeah. and I, I remember seeing a meme I gotta see if I can find it I sent it to you and Joey and I was like it said something like you're not paying me for the hour it takes me to right. create your, oh, your logo yes. right you're paying me for the 10 boss. years <laughs> right you're paying me for the 10 years or however long I was in school to learn how to do these things so that I could yes. whip out this logo for you real quick so yes. that's what I'm saying and in, in Right. So that's why you're saying like saying no to somebody about doing like, no, I can't do it that quickly. That is, that's like when people come to me and like, let me pick your brain about the show idea. It's like, that's the whole job. Like that's, that's, that's the job. That's what I get paid for. But you do have to figure out how to say no and and being mom. Yeah. You do learn boundaries a little bit. I was like, this is, is, I know that I don't have the time to try and get that created for you in the proper way that you deserve and that I would, you know, like on the 
you know, portfolio, like in my portfolio. But like the business aspect of like, well, actually I've, I've gotten better at like being able to know what prices I'd like to charge people. It's just that I have not been able to, I, I like receiving a steady, steady paycheck, but I have, you know, I'm not good at asking for the raise that I deserve, like, you know, um, so it's, there's that as well, you know, there's this, um, ooh, there's a sister who made a spreadsheet about, um, transparency in the arts of, um, your salaries. And she put, she made a spreadsheet about like, um, it had all these people from all these different institutions, um, you know, arts institutions fill out what they make to try and get some, um, salary transparency, um, to try and help us all, you know, get to where, cause well, there's so many, there's so many, like a lot of graphic designers are underpaid in, um, museums. Um, and I'm one of them. <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't say it like that, but maybe I should. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, it's I a real thing. You are underpaid. You are, and especially being a black woman, we talk about that <laughs> grossly. We talk about <laughs> the intersectionality of it all. Um, and we've seen all the rates. We've seen it. It's not, um, you know, it's real. Just the fact that you are a black woman, you are underpaid 100%. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. that alone, baseline. Um, yeah, but I think that is really, that's, that's definitely a thing. And people have been also doing that as women, just, you know, talking about what women get paid and that's that pay equity, right? Yeah. Um, we got to talk about it. As they working me as my working my ass off trying to make every like because we're everything has gone virtual so like I they they now know if they didn't know before that I am an essential worker because um, everything that they have is basically I have to every it, the museum is virtual and I am the one who handles the website and I'm the one who handles the social media even though I don't get paid for the social media I'm the one who handles it. Um, so everything falls, uh, has fallen onto my lap to like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're offering. This is what we're offering. This is what we're offering. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. One or two more things and then we out of here because this is, you know, you know, you got things to yes. do. Um, yeah. so all black, everything. I usually love to hear what products people are using, especially during COVID because like, how are you getting through? Um, what are the things that you're doing? And, um, and, but then again, it's also like a fine line because I like, are you spending money? Like, how do you feel? I mean, you, you got that check, right? But it's only the one I check. I got my check. And like, no, <laughs> yeah, I got my stimulus check is, and I got my, my tax check, refund check at the same time. Right. Oh, like a week so apart. do you feel like you need to not spend any of that? Do you feel yep. like. Now you can spend it. Like, how? What's the vibe, Sana? Because I had been dip, 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 dipping into my savings, so uh, tr trying to re replenish that. Right. So, talk to us a little bit, though. Also, too, um, you know, merging off of the conversation of skin, you do have spontaneous keloids, and um, tell us what that is a little bit. Um, I have like a massive amount of scarring on my chest and my my neck and, um, my back, my, my arms. Um, and 
they're from their spontaneous meeting, like they're not from any trauma. So I have people often asking, often, too often asking me, what happened to you? Um, like, you know, what did you get burned? Like, what kind of trauma? Did somebody throw acid at you? Like, what happened to you? I'm like, nothing. And they're like, no, but what happened to you? And it's like, okay, I'm sorry. And I'll have like some awful traumatic story to give you to enjoy right now. But I, there's nothing that happened to me traumatic. And a lot of times when people don't understand it, when they're in the medical field, they like feel like I am like they, like the time to like figure out everything about it. Like, you know, like I would rather, I would rather than be like, okay, well, let me go get my Googles on. But no, they want to be like, oh, so, you know, like they want to ask me all the questions. And I, a lot of times it's not the time. So I'm, not, I'm not here for that. Thanks. Like you got it. Like you have to search out people who can understand melanin and like can, right. can understand like all of the things that can happen. You know, I have somebody who's always thinks you should push through um, and, you know, like don't hide your scars because the, with keloid scars, they just continually grow and you're constantly healing, healing, healing. Um, you constantly, the scars are growing bigger and bigger and bigger. So the best time to show your scars <laughs> is now because they grow bigger. So you can't is I hid I hid my my scars probably the best times I shouldn't have hit them like I probably I felt really um I felt really what is the word like I felt I, I felt ashamed of my scars when they were smaller and it's you know they're so much bigger than they ever were before so if I could go back in time I would just you know be wearing the tank tops that I am now, like I wear tank tops now, first of all, cause it's hot. Second of all, cause I, I can't really wear polyesters and stuff like that anymore. It's too irritating. Right. And I've always, I've always said, it's like, you're like a superhero who has the power of always healing yourself. <laughs> um, but I know that's um, more romantic than what your experience has been at times. Um, did you the have same any fear? Thing to myself. <laughs> You do. My right? kids are gonna. Okay. My good. future generations are gonna be able to like rebuild their arm, like regrow arms or something, because <laughs> there must be something to this. Right, like, my body's like trying to grow in back. Genetic. Yeah. <laughs> it's the next step, right. step in evolution. Yeah, this has been a. Uh, this has turned into a bit of a lifelong um, thing for you. Not. Well, not, I shouldn't say even say lifelong, but like recently. No. It's um, not I will, I, well, yeah, as recently. It is at like, this it, point, huh? Like, I guess, I don't know. It feels like it's crescendoing. Like, it feels like, um, because I guess, I mean, the bigger and the bigger they get, there's just the more they start to connect. And so it, now they're starting to connect with each other in a way that I had was like horrified to see. Like, I remember I was on the bus at Howard, uh, on a, on a public bus, and I saw this man come on the bus and he had, one big keloid neck like his neck was one keloid and i saw him and i was just like oh my gosh like that could be my future like where if this keloid on this side of my like hidden nicely underneath my jaw which i thought at the time i didn't think it was hidden nicely but i looked back at pictures of like wow that was quite hidden um from the one from the one side of my jaw to the next side i'm like if those start to connect and that is the direction they're growing that is my future and i can't believe i'm there now where it's just the two sides have connected to each other and you know it's sucks right right yeah you know 
was there any fears being pregnant and having keloids? Well, I was afraid of what the hormones were going to do, but keloids, according to my um, dermatologist, she, she said that it's um, the pregnancy actually acts as a, it calms your, what did she, she gave, she said a a medical term, but she basically pregnancy calms the keloids down for a moment. It acts as like a, a, and it, 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 it it puts them on pause basically. So, okay. But yeah, pregnancy helped. Pregnancy helped your keloids. And now when you are in spaces with um, other families and other women who may not have keloids, do you feel any stereotypes or any weird um, stigma with other moms or or any no, um, moms have always been very moms are very sweet when it comes to keloids because they're all moms are out here just trying to figure out their own I, yeah it's usually people who don't have the other parts like moms are, you're, you're like probably distracted by I don't know maybe it's pregnancy that does it to you because you go through so much medically <laughs> so many random things that I, I haven't ever had any my mom community and I have a a great community of, I, I searched high and low for moms. <laughs> like the, my community of moms have, are, are great. Like they're, they're nothing but supportive and they, they don't know. They, they don't even mention my scars. Right. Well, you know, there's, there's been a lot of discussion um, about, you know, of course about how women and mothers, you know, there's always somebody else who needs us more. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me. But there's always somebody, there's always, (laughs) but there's always somebody, there's always something that we could be doing for somebody else. And, you know, sometimes we do just have to take the time to put ourselves first. You're right. But, you know. If you have keloids and you're listening and you're also a mom (laughs) um, and you want to speak about it, or if you're, if you're a black mom who's a mom to be and you have keloids, like hit me up. You can slide it to my DMs. It's cool. <laughs> like there's, you know, we have like a community that we're we're starting out. Right, and we um, and we'll link your information at the bottom of the um of this podcast. Yeah. As black women, we do find ourselves in spaces where we're not supported. People generally look to us as being support to them, but <laughs> there's a lot of yes. spaces where we're not supported. Yes. So this is this is the space I'm trying to hold. And um, I thank you so much for coming and sharing and being vulnerable and telling us um, about your life. Thank you so much. And I love you. I love, I you, love so you. I love you. Kiss the baby for me. I love you too. Edit. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, edit that out too. Edit that out. Edit and edit. Everyone at home, please continue this conversation in your community. And if you can't stop thinking about something we said, show some love. Please give us a quick five-star rating, download, and share this episode. It's super easy. Just click those three dots and text it to a friend or post on social with the hashtag MelanatedMomTalk. This podcast was produced and edited with love by me, Dahlia Davies Flanagan. Thank you, Calvin Miller Jr. for the podcast art. And thank you to photographer and producer Brian Demby for the beat that slaps. Until next time, mother uninterrupted. And don't forget, I see you and I love you. Happy birthday.